sometimes we go through really tragic trials. I actually had a really dear friend that was murdered brutally by his ex-girlfriend. And I know that's hard to believe that a girl is capable of that. In fact, at the trial, they tried to prove that she was too small to do this. My friend was this big athletic guy. He was bigger than life. He was a public speaker, motivational speaker, and just an all-around amazing dude who shared his gifts and inspired people. And because she was jealous, she decided if she couldn't have him, no one could have him. It was like a real life fatal attraction kind of scenario. And I remember my friend called me in the middle of the night, bawling, and said, I need to talk to you, but I need to tell you this in person. And I was like, okay. And so I waited and I waited and I waited for her to get to my house about 2 a.m. And I opened the door and she just blurts out, Travis is dead. And I remember saying, what? How do you know? How do you know that? Because my brain couldn't comprehend what she had just told me. How do you know that? And, you know, she's... She told me the story of how um, his old roommates went to the to his house because he didn't show up for this um, trip that he had earned through his company and that his voicemail was full, which his voicemail was never full. And so his old roommates showed up at the house, went in and found him dead in his master bathroom and had been dead for five days. So you can imagine what that looked like, what that smelled like. And I remember I was so angry. And there's all the stages of grief, right? But I went to anger and I stayed in anger for a really long time. You guys, I didn't even cry because I was so angry. And I knew exactly who it was. And this happened in Arizona and I remember telling my friend, we need to call Maricopa County Sheriff's Department right now and tell them who it was. And so we did that and um, come to find out, they arrest this girl and they interview her. Okay, first of all, when the police come to your house and they arrest you for murder. Me personally, I would be panicked. But you know what this girl did? She asked if she could get her makeup. Like, who does that? A crazy person. That's who does that. So that she could look pretty for her mugshot. So about five years go by. She's sitting in jail. We're waiting for all of this to go to trial. And the day finally happens. So I fly to Arizona for this trial because remember, I signed up for the cheerleader, major supporter gift. And I thought, you know what? He would do this for me. So this is one thing I can do for him. And I remember sitting through that trial and you, our justice system is so screwed up. 
I'm just going to say that. Our justice system is guilty until proven innocent. And here we're sitting in court. My friend that's murdered that cannot defend himself is basically on trial. And they use things that are unsubstantiated completely. That's allowed in court. But things that they have proof of are not allowed in court. And I remember as I sat in this courtroom, I just remember thinking, why is our system backwards? How can someone that's murdered be the one on trial? Like That was super confusing for me. So as we sat in the courtroom, the family sat on the front row, friends sat on the second row, and then the rest of it was full of media. And on the opposite side of the courtroom was um, the defendant's family, which there was two people. And the rest was the public that actually supported her, which blew my mind. And if you can believe this, her family, the person that murdered my friend, is mean to my friend that's murdered, his family, and to his friends. They're mean to us. And I thought, oh my gosh, even if if even if my daughter was um innocent of this, I my heart would ache for the family and friends of this person that's life was taken from them way too early. And so that was interesting to me. We were also told that we could not share any emotion at all. So when something, you know, horrific was shown, a picture or anything like that, we weren't allowed to react to that audibly. And I remember I had a notebook and I was just writing all the things in it. I should find it and burn it because there's probably, there's just so much hate in that book, literally. And what ended up happening was I, because I couldn't show emotion in the courtroom, that carried over into my life. And I didn't show emotion. Like, I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I didn't cry. I wasn't angry. I was just numb. Literally, I was just numb. And there was this heavy, evil feeling in the courtroom all the time. And this lasted for five months I was there. And I remember, like, I'm an essential oil freak. And I remember thinking, okay, something, we have to lift the mood in here. So I got out my wild orange and my peppermint, rub it in my hands, breathing it in, I'd pass it down the rows. And then the whole room smelled like wild orange and peppermint. It smelled amazing. And I was like, maybe we can cast out all the evil things that are here, right? <laughs> it was so crazy. And then the family had asked us to be interviewed and to be their voice because they weren't allowed to speak about the trial until it was over. And this was a highly publicized trial. Um, Everybody was there. I mean, we're talking Judge Janine, 
um, Dr. Drew, Nancy Grace, like just everyone that you can imagine in the media was there. And so after the court, after court was over, we would walk out and some of us would, you know, do the interviews and it was just, it was so hard, but it also felt so good to, to be that voice and to tell the truth, to tell what was, you know, really happening and who um, this person really was that murdered him. It all literally felt a little bit like a dream. And I remember when we finally got the guilty plea and they were seeking the death penalty, which didn't happen, unfortunately, but she's serving life in prison with no parole. And to me, that's a win. And I remember when it was over and I came home, one of my spiritual gifts too, is that I, I can see people that have passed on when they have a message for me. And I remember Travis coming to me and thanking me for all that I did for him and how grateful he was for that. And that made everything so worth it to me. That I could be there, that I could support him, that I could be the voice for the family and get them through the hardest thing they've ever gone through in their life. I learned that your life can be taken in an instant. And that we really, truly need to wake up every day with an intention for that day. And to be kind to everyone, especially now in this crazy world that we live in that's so divisive. Um, It just makes me crazy. We can all agree to disagree, right? We can still love each other and be kind Mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine. It's just like going to a movie and I love the movie and you don't love the movie. doesn't mean I don't like you anymore. It doesn't mean that. It means we can still love each other even though we disagree. And I would love to see more of that happening in the world because times are going to get tougher. They just are. We know that. I mean, if you read the scriptures at all, you know what's coming. The end of the world is coming and things are going to get hard. And we are going to have to band together. We are going to have to unite and put our differences aside and work together side by side to survive. I pray that we can all do that. I pray that we can put our differences aside. That we can all band together. That we can all agree to disagree. And just love each other and be kind. I just don't think it's that hard to do. So that's my challenge to you right now. Is if you are struggling with someone that disagrees with you. 
just reach out and let them know, you know what? We disagree on this, but it doesn't change the way I feel about you. I still love you. I'm still here for you. Maybe that's the supporter in me. Maybe that's the positivity in me. I don't know if you've ever taken the Clifton Strengths Finder test, but I highly recommend it. Uh, it's not a personality test. It's literally your strengths and how you operate in your zone of genius. Or you drop down to your bottom five and that's where you feel stuck and you feel icky and depressed and all the things. But it's super fascinating to know what your strengths are and what makes you tick. That's been a huge blessing in my life to know that and to also know what my husband's strengths are and what makes him tick and why we sometimes disagree on things. The other thing that's super important is learning your your significant other, your spouse, their love language. That is something that we read when we were first married. And I realized what made my husband feel loved. And that was physical touch and words of affirmation. Like those two things light him up. Mine were also the same. <laughs> so that was easy. I, we tend to, to love others the way we want to be loved. But we have to be willing to sacrifice what the way we want to be loved. Not sacrifice and not be loved. I'm just saying we need to sacrifice and do the things, make a mental note to do the things that light up our spouse or our significant other. And I feel like I got really good at that. And I made a conscious effort. And physical touch doesn't always mean sex. It literally means holding their hand, like tickling their arms. My husband's bald. He loves me to tickle his head and pull the hairs out and all the things. And that is something that I do on a regular basis. When I sit next to him, I'm always touching him. My hand is either in his hand, on his leg, around his shoulders, on his head. Like I am always touching him. And we've actually had friends say, male friends say to me, wow, do you realize like you touch him all the time? And I really don't notice it because it's just something that I do now. I know he loves it and it's just natural for me to do that. And these men long for that. So learn what your spouse or your significant other yearns for like what really makes them feel loved and make a conscious effort to do those things even if you think it's dumb even if it doesn't come natural to you eventually it will because you'll keep practicing it and it will strengthen your marriage I promise you it will strengthen your marriage. My words of affirmation, love language, I feel like is kind of split 50-50 with quality time now, the older that I get. 
the more I just want to be near my husband and I just want time with him. And for me, that is just, you know, sitting in our theater room and watching our favorite Netflix show or, you know, watching the Utah Jazz play. We love basketball. I love sports. Love sports. Can't play sports well. But remember, I'm a cheerleader and I'm a supporter and I'm a good audience. And I love watching jazz games. So for me, just sitting near my husband fills my quality time love language, fills his physical touch because I'm near him and I'm touching him the whole time. So it it works for us. I feel like there's love languages that are definitely harder, like gifts. <laughs> that love language to me is a hard love language to feel because um, gifts is how they feel loved, giving them gifts. And if that's not something that comes natural to you, I'm telling you, like you need to set an alarm when it's their birthday, when it's Wednesday, (laughs) and they feel like, you know, they aren't loved, like buy them flowers, write them a note, tell them how much you love them. Like they, they need that. So just learn about those love languages and what you can do to strengthen the love between each other because it will strengthen your marriage and it will make a huge difference.